Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. All right, fellas, welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungamak. Really glad that you're here. If this is the first time with us, welcome. If you've been here for a long time, even more welcome to you. I love you guys. You guys prove to be a blessing to me every single day. Um, and this ministry continues to prove to be a blessing to me every single day. Man, if I didn't have this to do, uh, <laughs> it'd be so easy um, to, to lose heart um, and to wander aimlessly. And uh, this has given me all kinds of purpose and direction, and so have you guys. So thank you so much for being a part of my life um, and for allowing me to speak into you a little bit. Uh, gosh, I <sighs> genuinely can't thank all of you enough for being who you are and being as supportive of this as you've been and um, pouring into my life the way that you have. You guys are a blessing. Um, this is the place. This is the go the agogi. I means this is the place where young men learn to be the men that God created them to be. Uh, the agogi was the Spartan process of turning a boy into a man. And that's where we take our name from. Uh, if you're familiar with, uh, oh boy, not Ragnar, it's the other one. And there's also a Spartan agogi up in, a, up in the, uh, up in the uh, northeast of the United States. Um, it's not, I'm not the only one that uses the term agogi, um, but it's, it's a Spartan term. It was the process where they'd send the boys out into the wilderness and the boys would, uh, were not allowed to come back until they proved their manhood, essentially. Um, and that's what we're doing here. We're helping boys become men. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Gird Up website yet, you got to go do that, www.girdupministries.com. I'll put a link down below. On the website, you're going to find a bunch of resources. I fixed the downloads, so you don't have to. The free downloads are now free. Um, you don't have to pay or put in a credit card to download those anymore. You never had to pay for them, um, but in order to download them before, you had to put a credit card in, and I don't obviously don't want to make you have to do that, so... Um, now those downloads are free. There's only two of them up there right now. I'm going to work on putting some more up there. I've got a few of them on my list here. Uh, and a few that I want to genuinely want to make for myself because I want to be able to hang them up around the house here. Um, and such things. I want, I want to put some stuff up on the wall back here. All that good stuff. Um, but those are coming. Um, and there's a few of them that are there already ready to be downloaded. And then uh, on the website, you're also going to find any links and resources to anything that we have. Um, I don't really do any blogging. Um, because it's just not my skill set, and it just takes a little bit longer than this does, and I prefer this. This is more fun for me. 
Um, but if I ever do any blogging or if I ever get any other dudes that want to do some blogging, we'll do that there. Um, and then there's also where the store is. So if you want a t-shirt like this one or the Marty's Musletorium one um, or the three guidelines for young men written by Paul t-shirt, all those are available on a website. Some of those sizes are getting pretty thin, especially the bigger dude sizes. Um, the larges and extra larges are starting to run out, but they're all updated. Um, if you order something, I, it's there, um, especially for the younger kids. There's a lot of t-shirts left for the younger kids. I honestly thought that the Marty's Musletorium shirt would sell better with like grade school kids. <laughs> and I don't know if I just haven't done a good job. I probably just haven't done a good job of selling them. Maybe you got to take them to some football games or something this fall. I don't know. Um, but they're all available. They're all online. You can go get them there. Um, all the money you spend there goes right back into helping the podcast run. Um, I'm not taking any profits off the top of that. They all go back into the back into the podcast uh, checking account and help me pay the bills for the podcast because there are bills associated with doing this. Um, the other thing you can do on the website is um, there's a link to Patreon there. You can donate or you can donate a $5 cup of coffee. So you just click on the give, buy us a cup of coffee link um, and it'll be a $5 donation. Again, goes right into the account to help us pay for the things that we're doing here. Um, and... Uh, you know, you get to join the uh, join the club of people that have helped support the podcast here. Um, big shout out, special shout out to the two guys that donated this week, uh, Jason Wegner and Malachi Mortensen. Thank you to you both. God's blessings to you both. Hope that we continue being a blessing to you and a resource for you on your journey towards Christian manhood. Again, that's Jason Wegner and Malachi Mortensen. Thanks, guys. Love you. If you want to hear your name shouted out, go donate a five five dollar cup of coffee online, <sighs> fellas. I don't like talking about money, but it's a reality of the, the world that we're in. And I'm broke. <laughs> not like destitute. I'm not saying that. I just, I, I'm paying for school. And uh, you guys helping me pay for the podcast is a tremendous blessing to me. Um, and it gives me great joy. I also, I probably shouldn't talk about this yet, but um, we're also trying to put together a collegiate men's retreat for this fall. We're working on a venue, uh, working on who's going to speak and what it's all going to look like, uh, what it's going to cost, all that. Um, we're trying to keep the cost down a little bit, especially for the first one, help guys be able to attend. And it's going to be limited numbers. So um, pay attention. Keep looking for that. Um, we're going to get that out there for you soon. Um, it'll be a smaller number of guys will be uh, we'll, we're going to cap the attendance. So that's a more intimate setting. Um, and so that uh, we can kind of, you know, get all the kinks out in a smaller event. And then we plan to continue doing events and, and build something from it. So keep keep it in tune with what we're doing here so that you can uh, get that information as soon as it comes out. And man, all right. I don't have anything else to say. Thank you to everybody that's making this thing happen. I love you all. You're a blessing. Thank you for helping me become a better man. Let's pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today as we talk about the church. Um, pray that you guide my words and guide my thoughts and my meditations so that they reflect your love and your law. Lord, help me be wise and discerning in the things that I hear and the things that I see so that the words that I say might glorify you. Bring us all together closer to heaven and closer to you. And we pray that we all might be united one day in heaven beside your throne. In your name we pray. Amen. Today I want to talk about the church militant, fellas. Now, I don't generally talk about issues of the church at large because that's not the point of the podcast. The point of the podcast is to help men be men. But I think uh, this is a discussion that needs to be had, especially in this day and age where we have a lot of weird terminology and conversation going on. And there's a ton of false doctrine out there. Sorry, i got to get the coffee in. Um, a lot of times when people talk about their uh, relationship with the church, 
when we talk about like the work of the church, um, it kind of falls into two categories. Either uh, they see the church as being at war, like actively at war all the time. Every day's a battle. Man, we're at war, right? And they see it as like full-on, full-scale uh, warfare and a win-at-all-costs mentality that they bring to church. Um, the opposite side is a lot of people that seem to think that the church is not at war at all, that we should be doing just the opposite, that we're conforming to the world, um, that everything is up for interpretation and change, and that we really don't have a leg to stand on. And uh, obviously the second there, the latter, the idea that the church is not even in a struggle, that the church should just conform to the world, that's probably a greater evil, I think. Um, but I think also that the uh, the idea that the church is actively at war every single day is also a bit of a challenge uh, and becomes a bit of a challenge for the, for the men that think that way. Um, there are certainly times where, as a church, there are times where we are, our day-to-day operations look like an all-out war. That's true. There are times um, where the work of the church feels like that and even looks like that, and that is kind of the reality of what's going on. But those times are very rare, especially in our culture and in our day. Those times are very rare. Before I, before you tune me out here, listen to what I have to say, because um, I, I just listen to me before you you tune me out here and start arguing with me. Okay, um, when we talk about being at war. There's a couple of things that really, in order to make that, I know this is not, I am not talking with authority on actual warfare itself. I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. I'm talking about the language that we use to talk about the church. So when we're talking about war, we're implying a couple of things. First of all, we're implying that there's a clear enemy, like wearing a uniform where we can, there's a defined enemy, right? If we're talking about spiritual warfare, there has to be a defined enemy that we're fighting against, right? There also has to be a defined battlefield. Like, this is where the battlefield is. These are the confines. This is this is how the battle has to be fought. All those things have to be dictated by a defined battlefield. And it also implies that we, as the church, are a united front who are all fighting together and fighting a battle together. Now, there are portions of the church that are like this. I think the, the battle against... Uh, abortion is very much this way, especially in conservative circles, conservative church circles. I'm not talking about politics, just talking about conservative church circles. Um, scripturally based churches um, almost, well, there's no way you're in support of abortion if you are a scripturally based church. You, there's no way to support abortion unless you have walked away from the truth of the gospel. Um, and so in that fight, in that battle, we pretty much are united and it pretty much looks like a war. Um, but in most ministry situations, in most, most church settings, there is no defined clear enemy. There is no defined clear battlefield, and there is no declined, d- defined and clear united front. Um, and that makes, that, makes the, that makes it challenging and really frustrating to think of um, our Christian life as a war. Um, and that's because that those things don't exist. Like we're, we're not a united front with other churches. We're not a united front with all believers. We're not a united front on every issue. And so if we see everything as an all out war all the time, we get really frustrated when there are disagreements, when things don't go the same way. Um, we get all confused and frustrated when we don't quote unquote win battles, all of that. Um, it, it, it makes it really hard for me to walk the walk of faith if I believe that we're at an all-out, you know, win-at-all-costs war and that everyone should be united in it. Because the truth is, 
um, we're not as much a church at war as we are a church militant. And here's what I mean by that. If you think about like resistance movements throughout time, uh, I think the most, the one where we interact the most with as Americans is the resistance movement during the Nazi Third Reich, especially in France. Right, there are resistance movements where they're actively trying to make it difficult for the Germans um, to occupy their territory. So they're, they're, um, the goal of the resistance was to disrupt the war effort for Germany, um, to make as many t soldiers as possible leave the front to go control the areas that they had um, been occupying. So the idea of if, if, if there needs to be a soldier on every street corner um, in order to control the French, then that's less soldiers who are out on the battlefield fighting the enemy, right? Um, and it, just to make the soldiers want to go, like, it's hard to keep your resolve as a s German soldier if um, you're constantly under attack, even when you're not on the front lines. This is what we're seeing a lot in Iraq and Afghanistan as well. That's what they're doing with the IEDs, is they're trying to make it so frustrating for soldiers that they lose heart and they go home. Um, and it's worked to an extent. Like the, the war has gone on and on and on and on and on kind of without end in Iraq and Afghanistan because they've chosen to fight this way, right? Um, I think if you're a movie buff, I think a great, another great example of this would be the Wolverines in, in Red Dawn, whether it's the new Red Dawn with, oh, what's his name, the, the Australian dude, or the old Red Dawn uh, made back in the 80s. It's the same idea. Like the Wolverines are a resistance movement. They know that they're not going to win the war on their own. They're not even trying to win the war. What they're trying to do is take, is 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 win as many people over to their side as possible, to ease the burden of those who are under oppression as much much as possible, and to make the uh, make the battleground as ready as possible for the day when the war is actually fought. And there's even an undertone for most of the movie, um, both the old and the new. Red Dawn, there's an undertone of the the army is coming. Like, we are going, this isn't a permanent situation. The end is coming. They are winning. They're going to come and rescue us, but the time has not come yet. And so while we wait for our rescue, we're going to cause as much trouble for the enemy as possible. Um, but in order to be militant, you've got to recognize, if, we're, if we are a church militant, we've got to recognize there's going to be enemies both inside and outside of the church. Okay. Some of our enemies are going to be bold-faced, anti-Christian, you know, atheists, people of the culture, people actively attacking our faith and what we believe. And they're going to come after us because we're Christians and because we're the church. And those are sometimes actually easier battles to fight because, again, that enemy is defined. They have declared war on us. They have declared war on the church. And that's a little bit easier to fight. What's harder to fight is the enemies within. People that claim to be Christians but are anything but. People who claim to be leading others on a path of righteousness, claim to be leading others in the way, but the reality of their preaching and their teaching, the reality of their lives, makes it clear that they don't actually love their Savior, that they're actually false prophets who refuse to speak the truth. Um, Calvinism would fit into this category, right? The idea that I... Uh, must do good in order to be saved. The Catholic Church fits into this idea. I must do good in order to be saved. Um, you have a lot of the evangelical movements talking about how God is going to bless you, right? How God is going to give you earthly wealth and earthly blessings. And that's not to say that all Catholic churches and all, you know, I'm not throwing everybody under the bus here. I'm saying general movements in the United States. Um, there's a lot of false teaching going around. The majority of American Christian churches 
have false teachings in them, some more than others. Right? you got the Stephen Furtick's of the world where pretty much everything he says is either watered down or false. Right? And then you've got churches who just, there's a couple of doctrines where they aren't quite right, but the general, the general truth is spoken on a, on a weekly basis. Um, of course, the goal is to be speaking God's word and its truth and purity every single week. But we have to recognize that there are going to be false prophets, and there are a bajillion false prophets in the United States. And we have to recognize that some of those enemies are going to be people who claim to be Christians, people who claim to be walking in faith, and they're not actually doing so. The other thing is there's no defined battlefield. Like, the battlefields are constantly shifting and changing. Now, one day we might be fighting a battle against you know, laws and legislation. One day we might be fighting a battle against the culture. One day we might be fighting a battle against uh, reform in the church. Um, the battlefields are constantly shifting and changing, and new things pop up and old things go away. We find... Uh, unity on one issue and then new issues pop up even amongst our own churches like in our own church bodies and in our own churches this is true like individual congregations this is also true different battles at different times on different days the battlefield is always changing Um, the other thing we got to recognize as a church militant is that militants are a minority Um, the reality is that at this point those who are living in the truth of the scriptures And this is probably always true. It just wasn't as obvious. Those who are living in the truth of the scriptures, those who really truly are Christians and are saved, um, are far outnumbered by those who are not. There's a lot more people who are either abject rejectors of the gospel message or claim to be Christians but really are not, do not actually have saving faith. There's a lot more of those out there than there are those of us who are going to be saved. Um, And I don't say that with pride. I say that with great sadness. We want other people to be saved. Our Father wants all men to be saved. We should want all of our brothers and sisters on this earth to be saved. Unfortunately, they are not. And if they are not, they are actively at war against us. There is no, like, gray area. I'm kind of for us. I'm kind of against us. No, no, no. There's either you've given your life to Jesus and you are now um, fighting the fight, fighting the good fight, or... You do not believe that Jesus is your one and only Savior, the only way you can be saved. You have not put your trust in him to be your one and only Savior, with which you cannot play any part, and therefore you've given your life to Jesus. If that's not you, then you're actively fighting against the church. And since we're a minority, and since the enemy overpowers us, and since we are militant, and since the enemies are always shifting and changing, the battlefield is always shifting and changing, we're not trying to win the war. We're not trying to win the war. What we're trying to do is win as many souls for Christ as possible, right? The king is coming. We know that Jesus has won the victory over death and sin and hell. The Bible tells us he has won a victory over death and Hades. Jesus has won the battle. The war is over. It is done, and he is returning. But he has not yet returned. And as he has not yet returned, right, the enemy still runs the city, in quotation marks, right? The enemy still runs the city. There's still an, there are still wolves in the city. Right? We have not taken the city, and we never will under our own power. We will not, there will not be peace and unity and joy and happiness. The battle will not be over until Jesus comes back. Okay? When the king returns, we will become the church triumphant. We will be unified under a standard of Christ. Right? There will not be any arguments about doctrine. There will not be any arguments about the role we play in the world. There will not be any arguments about what is and isn't sin. There won't be any arguments about who is and isn't saved. 
all of that will be solved. It will all be done. We'll be the church triumphant when Jesus returns. And since we will no longer have battles to fight, we will then be the church at rest. There's a lot of people who want the church to be at rest now. They want the church to be triumphant now. They either have this picture of the whole world being Christian and you know, all sin passing away and becomes this awesome utopia, but that's not going to happen. There are other people that seem to think that Jesus will not return and good things will not come back and all that kind of stuff until the whole nation is Christian. Well, that's not going to happen either. He tells us that in so many words. The only way this thing ends isn't by us winning battles for Jesus. It's when Jesus returns. Okay? The church triumphant will be the church at rest, but we will not be the church triumphant or the church at rest until Jesus returns. Until that day, we will be the church militant. So as the church militant, we need to understand a couple of things. First of all, we need to understand that the enemy commands the city, and he will always until Jesus returns. We are never going to have total victory over sin, death, and the devil until Jesus returns. We are never going to live in a community that is 100% Christian and never has any issues until Jesus returns. We're never going to defeat sin until Jesus returns. None of that is under our control and under our power. So stop trying to win the world for Jesus, okay, and fight the battles in front of you. The people that are with you every single day, bring them the gospel message. Sign the truth and the light of the gospel into their hearts. Be a witness every single day for the Savior that loves you, that has bought you back, and wants to save the people around you. I'm not saying don't do big, crazy, awesome things for Jesus. I'm trying to do big, crazy, th awesome things for Jesus. But if we make it our goal to win at all costs, we're going to drive people away from the gospel instead of attracting them to the gospel. Right? The people standing on a street corner yelling, you're going to hell, are not bringing people closer to Jesus. The people who show up every day with love in their hearts and joy and praise for their Heavenly Father on their lips and shine that light every single day. Those are the people that are attracting people to the gospel. Okay, Understand that the enemy still holds this territory and we are the militant church fighting for souls so that on the day Jesus returns, they might not be enemies of Christ because he will deal with them severely. When Jesus returns, we want them to be Christians, we want them to be lovers and followers of Jesus because those who love and follow Jesus on the day he returns will go spend eternity with him in heaven. Those who do not will spend eternity with him, away from him in hell. That's the battle we're fighting. That's the battle we're fighting. We're not looking for nominal Christians who say they're Christians. We're not looking for church attendance. We're, not looking, we're looking for souls completely yielded for Jesus. Some of us are going to pack a lot of souls some of us are going to impact a few souls. Whatever your impact is, your job is to win souls for Jesus. Not to win a battle, not to win a world, but to win souls for Jesus. One at a time by loving. Okay? Number two, we need to understand that A, there are enemies both in and outside of the church, and B, the goal is to make as many people on our side as... I already said that, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, so... We want to win as many people for Jesus as possible. The goal is not to have a Christian government. The goal is not to establish the Christian church on earth so dominantly that all other religions fade away. The goal is not to have more blessings. The goal is as many people as possible know Jesus when they die or know Jesus on the last day, have given themselves to him, 
and will be saved because of their faith in our Heavenly Father. Okay? And third, there will not be perfect unity until the King returns. There are going to be squabbles inside the church. There are going to be arguments inside the church. There's going to be arguments in your congregation. There's going to be disagreements. Don't run away from those. Fight the good fight. Speak the truth. Right? Luther said, peace if possible, truth at all costs. Well, keep bringing the truth and fight for the truth every day. If your congregation isn't walking in the truth, fight for the truth. Don't run away and go to another church. There might be a point at some time down the road where you have done your due diligence and you prayerfully decide that you're going to change congregations. That's one thing. It's a whole other thing to notice that sin is happening and be like, oh, I'm out of here. No, fight for the truth so that every man might know the love of the Lord, so that every man might know the truth of the gospel. I'm not talking about every man in the world. I'm talking about every man in your sphere of influence. If you are a member of a church, the goal is that everyone in that building knows and loves the truth of the gospel, knows and loves our Lord Jesus as he really is, has given themselves completely over to his life and death, who has died with him and been raised again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, so that they might spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. And recognize that there will not be total unity. So fight for the truth. Pray with your brothers. Make it happen. I... I <laughs> I get right out of steam there because I said everything earlier on. It means I was focused, man. I love you guys. I hope this has been a blessing to you. God bless you all. Go be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always... We will be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.